And tonight I'd like to begin with a story. Once upon a time, there was a Brahmin, a Brahmin by the name of Dona. And he was on this road that the Buddha was walking on. And the Buddha was walking along this road. And Dona was uh, quite moved by just how the Buddha was carrying himself. And not only that, as the Buddha passed and Dona looked upon the, the road, he saw the footprints of the Buddha. And so the story goes, in the heel, right, in the heel of the footprint of the Buddha, there was a wheel with a thousand spokes together with the rims and the hubs, kind of all its features there that Dona could see in the footprint of the Buddha as the Buddha walked on the world in a radically different way. And of course, if you can imagine, if you were to see a footprint like that, you'd be like, wow, what's up with that? That's amazing. I've never seen footprints like that before. And as Dona is lost in his amazement around these footprints, the Buddha walks into the forest to meditate for the day, what's called kind of uh, to, to settle into the day's abiding. So he finds the, the, the root of a tree to begin to meditate. And of course, Dona is so astounded that he, he goes and finds the Buddha. Poor Buddha gets his meditation interrupted. I think that's what happens. <laughs> Basically says, and Dona says, excuse me, what's up with the footprints? Wow. I mean, like, are you some kind of deva or celestial being? And the Buddha is like, no, uh-uh, no, I'm not that. Are you a Gandaba or a Yaka, which are these other celestial beings, these unseen spirits? And the Buddha said, no. And then Dona asks, well, are you a human being? And the Buddha says, no. And then Dona asks, well, well, what are you? And the Buddha says, I am awake. And then the Buddha gives this image, this metaphor that I want to slow down with, with you tonight. And then the Buddha says, just like a red, blue, or white lotus, it's born in the water, grown in the muddy water, and rises above the muddy water, and stands unsmeared by that muddy water. In the same way I, born in the world, grown in the world, having overcome the world, live unsmeared by the world. Remember me, Brahman, as awake. I find it a striking image, a lotus, a lotus flower rising from the muddy water. And I don't know if you've ever seen lotus flowers. They're, they're, they're amazing plants. Every night, at least many lotus flowers, they sink back into the muddy water. And then when 
morning comes, they arise out of the muddy water. They, they blossom again. This is their rhythm. And because of these waxy petals that they have, none of the mud sticks to the flower. And supposedly, as a result of that too, they have a high tolerance for pollution. They live in the mud, and yet they're unblemished by the mud. And the tenacity of the seeds of some lotus flowers, like I th this might have happened in the 1950s or 60s, there was a, uh, uh, some scientists found in a bog in China some seeds from a lotus flower that were 2,000 years old. He planted them and they grew. <laughs> Isn't that a trip? 2,000 years old. And yet they carried something forward, the tenacity of them. And, and I'm going to be inviting you at times during this, uh, this reflection is to reflect on this sense for yourself of what it could mean for you to live in muddy water, to be born there, to grow there, yet be unsmeared by that by it what gets evoked for you with that how does it have a sense of meaningfulness maybe for your spiritual path for your life and as a side note i i feel like this envisioning that i'm inviting you to do is so important for a spiritual path because there are kind of archetypal images that can go along with this lotus flower something that is grown in the world, but unsmeared by the world. You know, for some people, the archetypal image of a monastic, a nun, or a monk, they're living in the world, but they're finding a different way of being in the world, a different way of walking in the world, imprinting the world, like the Buddha and his footprints. And not that we have to have this vision of becoming a monastic, but sometimes I notice that archetypal image, that archetypal sense touches my heart in a way that inspires me. And seems to be intertwined with the sense of the lotus. Here it is in the world, but it's, it's not entangled with the world at the, the same time. So I invite you to become curious, what's the image for you? It might not be a monastic might not be a lotus flower, but there might be something else that captures something about the spiritual path for you that you find inspiring, moving, brings you here on Monday nights or brings you to your quote-unquote cushion to meditate. I'm sure you've been moved by something or you wouldn't be here this evening. Back to the lotus, lotus flower. How to embody the lotus flower, this, this metaphor that I'm slowing down with, how to embody being awake, right? The Buddha is, is connecting this with being awake. Not to, as he says, you know, he was born in the world, grown in the world, and over, have, having overcome the world, so not living unsmeared by the world. How do you live that way? Maya Angelou, I think, puts this quite well to her daughter. She, she wrote these 
this book of essays called uh, Letter to My Daughter. And there's this great sentence in it where she, speaking to her daughter, she says, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. To me, that fits so well with, yeah, being in this world, but not reduced by it. Because maybe like me, you can relate to this. At times, I know I can feel entangled or imprisoned or reduced by the world in some way. Maybe some of you can relate to that, maybe not. <laughs> and what's interesting is this, this word for world that the Buddha uses, the Pali word is loka. And it's a word that's used differently in different contexts. In some, some contexts, the Buddha is talking about the world out there but in other contexts, the word loka is talking about, you could say, the psychological world in here. And this is so important for this particular spiritual path. That's, that's the world that the Buddha is really curious about and how it interfaces with the quote-unquote world out there. You could say that that muddy water is this world of challenge, of difficulty, of suffering that you might be confronted with at times. And it's not only that difficult world out there, but what makes it so difficult is how my mind relates to it. Right? The kind of reactions that it has. And if I can start to be unsmeared, not imprisoned by this world that gets created in this heart and mind of how it interfaces, with challenges, oh, there's the freedom. That's that's the the world that the Buddha is so curious about. So you could say more specifically, this world of suffering or difficulty that we're invited to become curious about is in part created by the reactions in this heart and mind. You could say there are these stress reactions stress happens and sometimes our systems react to that stress in a way that makes things worse rather than better again you might know what i'm talking about maybe certain instances come up right you have that conflict with a friend or a coworker, or a boss or your kids or a parent conflict happens the world is muddy <laughs> at times and your mind maybe like mine right it can it can spend days obsessing perseverating about it just causing you angst conflict happens but then the heart and mind and gets entangled in it it feels reduced by it What's it like to have a different vision, to be that lotus flower that can grow out of that and be unsmeared by it? It's like in this metaphor, the Buddha's pointing to the heart of this practice. This is why, why I love this, this, this metaphor. It's how my heart is relating to these challenges. 
In some some ways it's so simple. Like uh, there's a Thai monastic by the name of Ajahn Chah from the Thai forest tradition. And he was on a walk with some of his monastics and he pointed over there and he said, uh, do you see that large rock over there? Of course, the monastic said, yeah. And then Ajahn Chah asked them, do you think it's heavy? Of course, maybe some of them are rolling their eyes. Yeah, it looks heavy. <laughs> it is very heavy. And then Ajahn Chah smiled and he said, well, it's not heavy if you don't pick it up. And I so love that. <laughs> and what I love about Ajahn Chah is the down to earth quality is like, in some ways it's that simple. There are these boulders in my life. Am I going to pick it up and carry it around or am I going to figure out how to navigate it? I invite you to ask that question. Are you picking up the big rock in your life? Or are there other ways to navigate it, to walk around it, to, to deal with it in another way? to open up this possibility to, to walk in the world in a different way, to imprint the world in a different way, to grow up like the lotus flower does, unsmeared by the muddy, muddy water, but still rooted there. So how to do this, how to disentangle, how to not be prisoned, imprisoned, or using Maya Angelou's word, not to be reduced. It's our spiritual practice. And I want to get into some, some, just some specific ways of engaging in this, but to say something in general about this spiritual practice. And I want to frame it by this quote by the, uh, the, the Greek lyrical poet uh, Archilochus. He's a poet from the seventh century BC. I love this quote. He says, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. I need to train in disentangling, I need to train in being the lotus flower that doesn't get smeared by the muddy water. Having this idea that I'm going to meditate, you know, irregularly in a way and not train in this is my expectation, right? And then I'm going to expect to show up in a difficult situation. Right? That's this arising to this expectation that I find doesn't happen a lot when I'm faced with a challenge. I'm going to fall. And if I have a training, I can fall back upon that. In some ways, I train so that my worst is still good enough. And I think that's what I can get from spiritual practice. I'm not looking to be perfect. 
I'm looking for something that's good enough in difficult situations so less harm happens. What's the training that you can fall back on? And I find that this is one view or, or narrative of, of the spiritual practice that we're doing is to train, to train the heart to show up differently. How are we training? And I want to say like in early Buddhism, training is, is, the, is, is the big narrative. And again, I, I want to say as a side note, of course, with any narrative, there are advantages and disadvantages. But I think it can be inspiring too. And the main tool that we're using to be that lotus is mindfulness, the Pali word sati. Which comes down to just the noticing, learning to notice those stress reactions without getting lost in them as much, not entangled in them. It doesn't mean that the world, that world, that muddy world is going to disappear. But I can start to be with it in a different way. I can begin to walk through it in a much different way. I can leave a different imprint than the way I usually do. To step out of the compulsions, obsessions. And I want to boil it down to one word. It's a word, well, it's going to be a phrase, but it's, if you think, if, if you remember the word, then you can remember the phrase. And it's the word pause. And in particular, that word, what gets evoked for me when uh, I, there's a center I, I teach at called Insight Meditation Society. And I love it. There's a there's a, a place where the staff, all of us get together, for example, to eat lunch. And in the staff dining room, it's kind of noisy and, you know, we're doing all kinds of things there. And then there's a door that you go through that goes into the, you could say, the retreat space, which is completely silent. And the door that separates them, as you open the door, there's a very, very small little piece of um, uh, typed paper that says right above the, no the doorknob, the pause that remembers. And I love that. I'd love to put it on all the doors I go through so that I can have that pause to remember. What am I remembering? Noticing. Noticing what's going on right here. And I want to point out how simple it is, but also to give some uh, supports to it because it's so simple that it can be uh, so easy to overlook. So when I pause, I'm simply noticing. So for example, right now, it's that simple shift from, right now you're probably hearing my voice, but if you start to get a sense of, oh, hearing is happening, interesting. Oh, seeing, seeing is happening. Oh, seeing a screen, hearing sounds. Sensations are happening right now. Breathing is happening. Do you feel the tiny shift? 
you might have noticed the shift, right? You're listening to the content, you're understanding my content, the content of maybe what I'm saying, but can you feel the small shift into being aware? That's all we're looking for in that pause, to notice what's there. Upasaka Ki Nanayan, she was, uh, some people think she was one of the the greatest um, teachers during the 20th century in Thailand. She talks about this awareness being pure and simple. Hopefully you could feel some of the simplicity that happened right there and even the purity of being aware. Sometimes, like me, you might notice that in challenging times, especially the pause that remembers doesn't seem like it's going to cut it or it doesn't cut it. Ever have experiences like that? And so I think it can be helpful to expand this pause a little bit. So I want to share with you these three questions that I think are really fantastic to explore in a pause. And again, I'm just going to invite you, you know, during your day, you might want to see if you can play with the pause that remembers. Let me just go through with you these three things that I find, these three questions that I find so powerful. So let me put them in the chat box for you so you can look at these as I go over these. So when I pause, I'm asking, what's here? It could be anything, hearing, seeing. Oh, anger is here. So not what's here, I'm angry at the person. I'm angry at the situation. Oh, oh, anger is here, it's arising. Oh, fear is here. Self-judgment's here, that's what's here. And then the second question can be really helpful if the what's here is overwhelming. Well, what else is here, right? What's here? Oh. Worry, wow, a lot of worry is here. What else is here? Oh, interesting. Seeing the trees blow in the wind. Oh, seeing. And then what's supporting me right now? Oh, there's a sense of quiet, a sense of stillness right now. Oh, it could be the sunlight in the trees. Oh, that's supporting me. The image of my grandmother. Oh, that's here too. You might want to play with these. And I want to acknowledge, I got these from my partner. She's teaching this really great class that I'm trying to sneak in on at times called Practicing in 3D. It's these three dimensions of practice. And I love it because so often the way that meditation is taught is we're taught to be with it, to be with what's arising. But maybe some of you have noticed that sometimes it's more complex than that because sometimes just being with that doesn't lead to being mindful. It just leads to being lost or overwhelmed. And training in something, adding something to what's here, like what else is here, 
to expand the attention. And then what's supporting you right now? And this is what I love about her approach to this is really expanding it. I think that's the the cool thing about this, the way she she teaches this kind of practicing in 3D is really giving dimensionality of to what it is to pause. Because it's in that place that I think we can really start to to contact awareness being pure and simple the way that Upaska Ki Nanayan talks about it. We can start to touch the purity, the simplicity of awareness that allows us not to be so smeared by the ways of the world. These three questions you might want to explore in your daily life at some point. They're, they're really more designed for off the cushion than on the cushion but they can be really interesting to train in and maybe to play a little bit in terms of your meditation as well. Because I think what can happen so often, especially when I get hooked, is I'm getting entangled in something, I'm lifting something like the boulder that I don't have to. Some of you might know this story about the, the Buddha, which I, Again, so appreciate. Once upon a time, there was a uh, a fellow who, for one reason or another, was quite angry with the with the Buddha, and started hurling all of these insults toward him. And the Buddha asked this strange question to him in the middle of it, and he says, "So and so, have have you ever like?" Um, given a gift to a friend um, before? And the person said, yeah, I've, well, of course, I've given gifts to people. And the Buddha says, well, if let's say you give a gift to someone and they said, uh, no, thanks, I don't think I really want that gift. Who would the gift belong to then? And the person said, well, it would still belong to me because they didn't accept it. And the Buddha says, well, just so with your insults, no thanks. And I love this because I think what happens to me so often is I feel like people are giving me gifts that I don't want, but I just accept them. When I learn to be like the lotus flower, I can say internally, no, thank you. Again, if you notice this around conflicts, I notice this with politics. It's like, why, why am I in so much angst? It's like this person has given me a gift because of what they're doing in the world. And all that's happening is I'm being overwhelmed by it. That's a wonderful gift not to accept. To be the lotus flower that's unsmeared in some way. So may these reflections help us to pause, the pause that remembers. 
and using maybe these questions that I they got from my partner, Robin, what's here? What else is here? And what's supporting me right now? And we'll, we'll explore this in the guided meditation a little bit here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.